And we are back. Hello, everybody. We are drinking in the pre-show. Sam Adams and us a shipment of lots of stuff. We are drinking their Hoppy Red. Yes. They send us beers almost weekly. <laughs> so, can't put everything on the air, but this is one we've never had. And yeah. I wanted to drink it with Greg and talk about it a little bit, so it gets some pre-show airtime. Hmm. Get the backup recorder here rolling. Definitely a a lot of hops on here, but it is also a uh, a really nice multi, yeah, distinct sort of um, not back. There's probably I throw it out. Actually, (laughs) I went through all the beers. Uh-huh. We weren't going to do on the show or already drank and put them over here for note paper. And I remember, I can't remember if I set the hoppy right aside. Oh, there it is. It's uh, two rope hill malt, caramel 60 special B, and then whole stack of hops EKG, Northern Brewer, Hallotau, Middlefru, uh, Middlefru. Uh, Nelson Savant and Ella. So wow, that's interesting. Hop. So it, they have this continental thing, and then some of this New Zealand stuff coming in, right? Yeah. The, the Nelson There's Savant English the, and continental yeah. New, New Zealand. So yeah. it's kind of all over. The Nelson Savant. They, they, that's more like a, a grapey, like it has sort of a wine character, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. So science. PBS Space Time question. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so mad that I talked myself out of what my what my demonstration showed. Mm-hmm. And I talked myself out of it because of what I thought people have always told me. And you talked me into buying it. <laughs> well, at least I'm a good salesman, I guess. I'm so mad because my demonstration showed me the answer. Right. And I didn't believe it. Yeah. I remember when I was talking to Nikki, I was drawing space-time diagrams sort of like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and so, I was, so I was like, hey, this is how it should work. And then, then but you guys were, mm-hmm. you guys made good points. So We made bad points. <laughs> Convincing bad points, <laughs> yeah. but still bad points nonetheless. And so the, um, you can find the answer if you uh, look on YouTube on PBS space-time. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll get the answer. But basically, we were, the question was, and actually, I think I misunderstood a portion of the question too. Okay. I wasn't. We had we had talked about the right answer, but it wasn't what I had in my mind as the main point of the question. So I also wasn't really answering the right question with the brunt of my thinking. So the question was: You had you're you're an observer, stationary observer, and there's a spaceship doing a coming towards you. It's going to fly right past you at half the speed of light. And you can see this photon clock coming towards you. You can see it leaving. And the question is, is the when it's coming versus leaving faster or slower the same? And I wasn't necessarily answering that question specifically. Um, because I would have agreed a lot more closely with what you were saying that the one coming in would be faster than the one leaving. Right. Um, but I would have said they were both slower than the clock on my wrist. Right. 
And you even tried to do math, and you still came in at the same thing, right? I I did the math for the overall um, time dilation overall, and I got the same answer they did. I mean, they said thirteen. I said fifteen. Thirteen point okay. eight is is where it was. So I figured fifteen was. was oh, okay. Um, so that seemed to indicate that when you compared after everything was done, it'd be slower. But I didn't. I didn't put in the relativistic time dilation stuff. That wasn't part of my consideration. So, if I would have done that, then I possibly would have seen the, the correct answer. Yeah. The um, I was surprised that the relativistic time dilation had such a big proportion compared to the Lorenz transformation. Right. right? That's the other one, right? And that it won out. And actually, so the clock coming towards you is going to be going faster than your clock. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, that seems like that is not what I've been taught my entire life. That's why... This show is a yeah. good. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you've watched any, any other things on. I need time, to. I need to. But they they get at this without making. I mean, you, you need to have some experience with these concepts in order to, and they go quickly when they talk about these things. But they don't dumb it down for you, and they don't make it like so. You have to know a lot of math in order to get it either. Right. So it, it's the best. Like I said, it's the best of the pop size stuff that I found. Yeah. So it's like what I thought I knew. What I thought I'd been told, what I thought I'd been told was right. Isn't the whole story. Wasn't the whole story. And talked, I was talking with Dan at work, you know, the guy that helped write that book, right, about this thing. And he's like, well, you know, this stuff's not intuitive. But I'm like, but my intuitive answer was the right one. And I talked myself <laughs> out of it, you know. So. It absolutely isn't intuitive. And, and, you know, like I said, you talked me out of out of the feel, I'm sorry, I'm sorry no about you, that. you shouldn't be sorry um it's it happens and I'm the, the I'm not remember the, the thing I talk about and you know I, I take it from Dan Carlin when I talk about stuff it, it's the Greg Weiss version of physics I'm not a physics professor I right, don't have right. the graduate degree in physics or anything like that I have a good understanding of this stuff compared to most people but that doesn't mean that I'm right all the time about these things or that I will immediately have the answer I need to, to isolate. Like I need to isolate that sound clip right there so I can use it. doesn't mean I'm right all the time. <laughs> I'm not right all the time. <laughs> I know. Most of the time. Almost all. Nearly 99% of the time. I think I'm right almost all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you show me I'm wrong, I will abandon that like a sack of bricks. I know. It's more so for the, you know, your strong opinion, you know, and it's like, like trying to argue with you is like a brick wall. It's like, you know, it's, it's easier to, um, just play a clip saying you're right all the time type thing or not right all the time. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I had to retract my tweet that I outsigned Greg, but anyway, it was fun. It was a fun discussion, fun thoughts. And yeah, like when I watched the answer, I was just so mad at myself that I, was like it was there my experiment uh-huh. was right and i didn't believe the results right you know that happens to too many scientists you know and i'm not a trained scientist so you know but you know it, it's it's something that you uh kind of have to like make sure you don't talk yourself out of the right answer but when you're learning these things you have to understand you're also going to make mistakes too yeah. and, and you're you're not going to get the right answer all the time and so that's why it helps to check your work against other people right um, 
and uh, against people who who know more than you or at least who are more experienced with this stuff than you are right uh always always a good idea but yeah so but it was cool like we had that whole thing going on so that was fun um there did you did you watch better call Saul I did this gif you put up is like crazy, crazy creepy isn't it, isn't it? yeah <laughs> It's hard to describe. It's uh, it's like three D. It's like it looks like it's in three D because the way it's rotating around. Right. It, it's just some woman at some some old woman at some uh, I don't know whatever rally or something. But they they the people who did the the gift, oh I like, see they just they sunk them. her eyes in and her mm-hmm. mouth in to make it look like there's a, a lot of depth there. And then yeah, I think I, I think they kind of yeah they um, kind of dragged. Things yeah. around mm-hmm. to go with the angle. I got gotcha. you. Uh, better Call Saul. Yes, yes. It's yes. funny because you were complaining about oh, just no good TV, and all of a sudden, boom! <laughs> better Call Saul's on yeah. tonight. Um, did they didn't really? So at the end of last season, right? It seemed like Saul Goodman was next step, right? Right. right. But no, that you know, it's it's they denied your expectation, mm-hmm. and you know, he was like going like. You can see, okay, still going there, but then like, er, let's let's give this good Jimmy one more try. Yeah, let's not make this a, a instant change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the the premiere set up a very interesting dynamic, which was you know he he and he tried to sort of he seduce Kim successfully by doing the the grift, mm-hmm. um, but then realized that she wouldn't like go along with it all the time. Uh, but then his realization, I think, ultimately end is well. I can grift my way through anything. I can certainly do it grifting my way as a lawyer at this place. Right. Also. Yeah. And so you had that shot of him wearing the pinky ring as he walks into the offices. And then the switch at the end, which was him. Because him before he made that decision wouldn't have done that switch. But him afterwards, yeah, he'll just see what the switch does. He'll 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 try to do what he's told not to do Mm -hmm. and that's what that is you know you can't tell uh james mcgill not to do something it was mirrored by that and the cucumber water in the beginning Mm -hmm. (laughs) which you know is it was a great um you know that was his last time in the beauty salon Mm -hmm. and in the first season the cucumber water was a running yeah trope of the of the season so yeah i just love how they finished off that trope it was like really well done um, I saw one article, um, it's like, oh, what was that? I don't think I have it up anymore. Is this it? No. There was like, what, it was like using, I think it was, uh, like D&D dispositions or something. Like, which disposition oh, yeah. is, is Jimmy going to be this week, you know? Uh, so he would probably be, um, oh, this one, he'd probably be chaotic neutral. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who, uh, yeah, just kind of goes by his own whims. Mm-hmm. Would be sort of chaotic neutral, and doesn't really care whether it's good or bad. Right, but you know they're saying that they're start just ranking him each episode yeah, because yeah. his personality, you know, could be so different in mm-hmm. each episode. So it's pretty interesting. I didn't really read the whole thing. I didn't fully appreciate the D and D. You know, other than my little delving into some role playing games. You know, where you're. 
It's never been much more than well, your, I mean, good the, or evil dispositions. Those, but... you know, those are there are nine dispositions in that D and D thing. There, there's, okay. uh, there's the lawful, there's the neutral, and there's the um, there's there's lawful. So there, <laughs> there's lawful, there's neutral, and there is uh, evil. Or wait, lawful, neutral. There's lawful, neutral, and chaotic. Okay. And then there's uh, good, neutral, and so it's like a matrix and, and evil. Yeah, so it's like a matrix. So you okay. have lawful good. So you, so your 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 three good are lawful good, neutral good, and chaotic good. Your lawful good characters are like your upstanding citizens, your your um, your knights who will always okay. do the right thing. Uh, you have neutral good characters, which is generally what most people are. They you know they'll mm-hmm. generally do the right thing. Uh, they'll look out for other people. Uh, they're not going to be too bad about other things. A chaotic, good character um, is generally going to do the right thing, but um, perhaps for strange motives and, and perhaps for very interesting for 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 things that you can't quite uh, qualify. Mm-hmm. Right. So then we go down to the next uh, realm, and that's the neutral new, the neutral area. So there is uh, lawful neutral, uh, and that is somebody who. Uh, is I guess you might call that a uh a judge of some sort, I guess. Uh they're 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 bound by the law, uh, but they don't really say whether it's good or bad. Um they don't necessarily do things for being good or bad. They simply they do things because the law says they do it. Okay. Uh then there is So they're not a good Samaritan, they're just a not uh, necessarily they're just law. A, yeah, they're law. They're law abiding, but yeah. they're not a good Samaritan. There is a new, true neutral, which is someone who will always look to be on the side of the oppressed. So if you, if you like, we're playing a new, true neutral character in D&D, it's really hard because uh-huh. as soon as you're, you're in a battle with somebody, as soon as they start to lose, you, you switch sides. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a hard character to play. Uh, and there's uh, so, so it's like how I like to watch mm-hmm. uh, sports, sporting events where it's not a Pittsburgh team, right? Yeah, you know, right. I, I just want the game to be close, right? So I'm yeah. all, like, I'll switch. I'll root for whoever's behind, right? So you're being a true neutral. A chaotic neutral is sort of like Jimmy, like like Saul was, where mm-hmm. um, he is uh, he is going, he's doing whatever he wants, and he doesn't really care who he hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is lawful evil that is sort of like a dictator. Okay. Right, I mean, he, he, so he, uh, so a lawful evil would be also somebody who would have, um, they, they, they'd be evil, but they have sort of an honor to them. Uh, uh, neutral evil is your base bad guy, mafia boss. Well, mm-hmm. not a, well, mafia sort of, uh, probably not a mafia boss. Probably even more lawful neutral, lawful evil, whereas um, a mafia sort of just a, a schmuck who is part of the mm-hmm. the made guy or something that would be a neutral evil and then there's chaotic evil and that's like super villain who just who would destroy the world if they could just an anarchist like the joker or something right or... yeah yeah they don't care even about themselves right i see yeah so there's some, there's some community uh ones <laughs> if i could find one okay uh community um D. Alignment system for community. So, like, there's a 
Okay. So surely would be lawful good. Um, Annie neutral good. Brita chaotic good. Lawful neutral is a dean. True neutral would be Abed. Chaotic neutral Troy. Lawful evil Jeff. Neutral evil Pierce. Chaotic evil Chang. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they all play those parts. You know, I mean. Like especially the ones in the corners make perfect sense. Yeah. The ones in the cross, you know, there's blending, right? Yes. So Yeah. Pretty cool. So yeah, you can do that with a whole bunch of TV shows. You can. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to sort of just quantify what these characters are and how they relate to other people. It, it's not science or anything. It, it's but it's storytelling. Joie de vivre of sort. It's it's a. Yeah, I mean, well, it also helps, you know, give the uh, gives the character an anchor, right? Right. What you looking at? What you doing now? Just looking for other ones. Like, oh. There's one Ghostbusters. There's Star Wars ones. Just <laughs> <laughs> watching uh, some more. So I was telling you about how the droid tales, the Lego droid tales how they were kind of like poking fun at some of the dumber plot points of mm-hmm. the movie. Well, we watched a couple more today and, and they did it some more like, um, Oh no, I can't think of any of the, the, the good ones. Um, Oh, when, uh, Han Solo, when they're on the asteroid and they go outside the Falcon to look for the Minox, you know, and they're inside the giant space worm, yeah. you know, Han's like, take your, take your respirator in case there's not breathable air here, which never happens any on any planet in Star Wars, <laughs> you know, in this universe, you know, and a couple of the things like that. But, uh, you know, it's it's interesting to see, you know, it's not, I'm not saying you should watch it. It's not great TV. Mm-hmm. It's too much slapstick and comedy. Yeah. But there's a, you know, Max is watching it. I'm in the room. And well, they're, they're adults writing this stuff, so they'll put in little things yeah. like that for adults who catch it. But they're yeah. not writing, I mean... They're not writing the main thing for adults, but they they will throw some jokes in there. Just like Sesame Street, right? Sesame Street will have some adult jokes in there just because parents are going to be watching it, so you at least want to tickle their brain a little bit. Yeah. Watch the uh, the latest episode of Rebels and had, like, three, like, major, like, science physics flaws in it that drove me up a wall. (laughs) First one, and I've always been under the impression that you can't receive transmissions while you're in hyperspace. You can't talk on the radio, hologram radio, you know, when you're in hyperspace. Okay, I mean, I don't know if there's any physics. Well, the second one is they're in space, right? And the ship has artificial gravity, right? You know, pulls you down to the floor. Well, the ship gets damaged and starts to tilt off, you know, starts to list over, Uh and people start sliding. Maybe the artificial gravity got twisted, too. (laughs) It's in a space well below the ship, and there's a and it just wants to have a pendulum. And then so when they're trying to right the ship, right, um, they're trying to pull on the yoke, right? And it's just like, you know, like an old cable pulled airplane. Like, like they can't pull on the yoke hard enough. So a second person has to pull on the yoke to get yeah, the ship righted. Yeah. Well, I mean, so that's the thing. Whenever you see ships banking in space, right, mm-hmm. there's no need for that to happen. But it all goes back to that old World War II footage where, the, you know. It, well, no, banking would be important because you'd be preferable to have the G's push you into your seat than in, you know, out the side or something like that. If you're turning, if you got to turn, mm-hmm. you're in a pilot seat yes. with most of the sport on your butt and your back. Right. 
and that's where you want to take the force when you make a turn. But the force is all coming from an artificially generated thing that's going down. It doesn't matter. Well, no. There's an acceleration when you're banking and turning. And you want that to be under you instead of beside you. Otherwise, you're going to be like in the push up against the armrest. If, you, if you're just doing a flat turn, you're going to be pushed up against the armrest and trying to fly. That's not going to be good for a fighter pilot. Actually, I mean, it'd probably be more maneuverable. You're suggesting that because in order for that to happen, that means they would have to go down towards something because they can't just bank like that. If they were to bank like that, then they wouldn't be. Well, wouldn't it? You would start turning and start banking at the same time. And then the apex of the turn, you would ideally be at like a 90-degree angle. Okay, but think about this. So you're, you're... And then you might as well just stay at the 90-degree angle because there's no real up in space. So If you go like... The, if, if you turn like this, all of a sudden now your force is this way. You're, you're, no, but you're also... Well, there's, there's no forces. There's no gravity, right? Except for whatever the artificial gravity right, of the ship right. is. And it would make sense for the ship's artificial gravity and the forces of acceleration to be going the same direction... Or or either or cancel each other out right. one or the other, but you don't want them at perpendicular, like because that's you'll be thrown into the armrest at that point. But if you were to bank, that means you had to have some force going this going towards the direction of what you were you're banking from. No, that's well. the, that that'll be from the acceleration, right? Because okay, so you're flying. Okay, say you're flying like this, right? Okay, you're flying horizontally. You're f- well, you're flying. Okay, so okay, forget the turn, right? There's no up in space, right? Yeah. So you're flying and. What's the best turn for you to make? Left or right? Or what about up and over, right? Because then, as you make that turn, well, you may push into your seat. The best turn for you to make is like that, right? Because you still have inertia, so you just want to move yourself around 180 degrees. Well, if you just want to keep, if you want to keep coasting the same direction and look backwards, you can do that. But if you need to get back the other way, the geometry of... You would turn yourself 180 degrees and then fire your thrusters. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, okay. So now we're imagining dogfights, I guess. Uh, What would dogfight, what would be the most efficient dogfight in space, right? I mean, so I understand what you're saying. Yes, you're right. You can't do that in an atmosphere Mm -hmm. because you'll lose lift and fall. Yeah. So you have to bank. Good point. Point accepted. Now, the next point is, would that be survivable dogfighting in space, right? Maybe it's... I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Maybe you still want to be zooming around and banking. Because if, if you're just turning around and slowing down, there's going to be a point of zero speed relative to your attacker, right. and then you're going to start moving towards them, it might be really easy to get shot. Well, I, I think that in space, all the things you have to think about with atmosphere goes out of the... Oh, and gravitational bodies have to go out oh, right. the window, and you have to really think about it as terms of vectors. So you're on some vector, and you can you can turn 360 degrees yeah, and stay no, on that vector. No, you can certainly, like you said, you're not going to fall out of the sky. You can right. do the turn that you set. And yes, you're you're right. I hadn't considered. I was considering, uh, like you said, too much anchored in dogfighting, mm-hmm. and. So that's why I'm asking the question now. Is the kind of dogfighting you're imagining effective and survivable versus the kind that we're used to? You know, so it'd be, you'd have to kind of play a war game and figure it yeah, out. Yeah, you, you know? you'd have to do the, that kind of study. I don't know. I mean, yeah. can you pull that many Gs? Can you find some way to uh, prevent you from pulling 
large uh, large G's in that situation. I mean, the forces are going to, again, like you said, it's just force, right? So they're going to be nearly the same, right? Yours is going to be all in the backrest. Mine was going to be mostly in the seat. But, you know, like we were talking, like, so just to finish my previous thought, even though you won the round, I want to finish my <laughs> thought. And that is, okay, so we were talking about turning and banking. Forget about turning and banking. Because a 180-degree turn, whether you turn left or right or up, is going to be the same. And the way that most pilot seats are configured up would be the best turn, right? Because then it's going to put all the pressure straight down in your seat when you just do this, you know, like the beginning of a hammerhead turn type thing, mm-hmm. you know, whereas turning left or right is going to put you at a perpendicular to where you're supported. Well, you're only going to feel G-forces when you do an acceleration. So just turning is not going to cause any well, G-forces. Right. Well, it, it'll, cause an acceler- it'll cause a centripetal force. But that but probably you're only turning 180 degrees. Yeah. It's minor. It's yeah. like you're spinning around and around. No, but so I'm imagining thrusters on, right? And yeah, yeah. I guess I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. All you know, all space battles are based on in atmosphere flying maneuvers. Right. I would love to see someone work out a, you know. What's the best? I mean, it's been done. There have been computer games that have that kind of. Uh, and, and the it, ones I've played have mostly been like you know, have well, been yeah, they, Star they, Wars, Tie Fighter. You know, they, the same they, thing. They make it feel like that's you. So yeah. you know, if you stop thrusting, you slow down, for example, and um, that you know that isn't the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, um, it, you know, it's, it's easier to to predict because you can lead things easier. I mean, you could do the same thing. Right. In, yeah, it, it's <laughs> well, yeah. So you probably couldn't even do the kind of turn. I mean, I guess you could, right? You'd have to, you'd have to have, you know, um, directional thrusters push your tail down while your main thrusters are pushing you forward, and do that whole, you know, over the top, you know, turn thing. Um, well, the interesting thing really comes in when you really consider the idea that a true space battle likely wouldn't be right up close like we're used to. It would probably be uh, kilometers away at least. And then you have light delays well, in terms yeah. of when you're seeing things and when they and, and when they actually happen. So you actually when they actually happen from your perspective. So well, and also everything's you know the thing that you don't see in space battles is. I mean, the energies involved. I mean, everything is in an orbit, and you can't just fly around. I mean, maybe in deep, deep space, but, I mean, you know, you're going to be, like, if you're over a planet, you know, you're not zooming back and forth. You know, the energy to do that would be insane. But, I mean, imagine that you are in a major fight with something, but they're 200 kilometers away. Mm -hmm. Uh, And let's say you're using some sort of energy weapon. Uh you wouldn't necessarily be able to pinpoint where they would be because you have a light delay. Well, it's not 200. I mean, you have to go a lot further away for it to matter. Yeah. Okay. So imagine a thousand kilometers, for example. Yeah. I'm not sure that I would tend to think that's probably not even going to matter too much. Um, You can, the computer's going to be able to predict where they are. And if they turn at the last moment, it's not going to be that far off. So, 
Probably not. But you can see where, yeah. especially as this distance gets larger, that becomes a major consideration. Right. Absolutely. And if, I mean, if, if, light, if lasers travel at the speed of light, then you do have to consider that because your reaction to, your ability to interpret what's happening is not going to be as fast as your lasers will actually go. Well, the computers are going to fire the lasers anyway. You'd hope. But, you know, lasers that <laughs> work at the speed of light, well, they're not going to annihilate you in the first nanosecond, right? They, you have to, it's gonna, powerful it's going to have to deposit energy onto the surface of your ship to do things, right? I mean, if it's a laser, you know, it's putting, it's depositing energy onto the ship. And once it gets to a critical... If it's powerful enough, it would just right plow right through. through it. Right. But, again... You have to get all this stuff up into orbit. It reminds me of the uh, XKCD question about what what is more powerful, uh, a supernova um, or a uh, atomic bomb held uh, or an atomic bomb held up to your eyeball? <laughs> uh, and the answer is uh, a super. If you were at the distance, uh, like one it one astronomical unit, like from where you are mm-hmm. and from Earth, supernova would be nine orders of magnitude more powerful than the uh, atomic bomb held up to your eyeball. Nine orders of magnitude. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Nine million times more powerful. Yes. So, the, I think in that article he said there's a general rule that whatever you think, whatever you think how powerful supernovas are, they're more powerful than that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it reminds me, you were talking about sort of feelings that I, I was the other day thinking, I realized, I came to some realization, I forget what it was about actually, but it occurred to me that that feeling of realization you get is sort of the feeling of connections being made in your brain. <laughs> like all of a sudden you're, you can feel like, oh, this this thing and this thing are connecting, and you sort of feel that uh, getting reinforced. Hmm. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I love when I love when a plan comes together. Yeah. Can I talk about Apple and FBI real quick? I don't know sure. If it's gonna, I don't know if it's going to be real quick. Uh, so everybody knows that Apple's fighting a court order to to do something. To allow the FBI to unlock the San Bernardino right, phone is right. what they're saying. I've been unsatisfied with almost all of the reporting I've heard about this thing. Because, so here's what the FBI is asking. They're asking for a way to turn off the um, wipe of the phone after 10 failed attempts. Right. They would also like no software imposed delay in entering multiple attempts. And they would also like to be able to enter the passwords electronically somehow instead of tapping the screen over USB or Bluetooth or something Mm -hmm. like that. Sounds reasonable. The thing that I can't, well, I want, I want to talk about a bunch of things, but the thing that, that struck me immediately and I still have not been able to find clear information on is I'm fairly, uh, you know, I've heard of research a lot on the Apple security and how it all works. And I can't figure out how, if Apple made this update to iOS, how they could get it on the phone without having to wipe the phone 
or unlock the phone to install the software. Because even when you plug it into a computer, it won't talk to the computer until you on screen approve that it trusts the computer. So maybe the, probably the most plausible answer is they have the dude's computer and they think it's already trusted. And I think then they could probably install a new version of iOS from his computer onto his phone without having to unlock the screen. I I don't know. I mean, what, that's my best guess. One thing that, that I read was that the FBI offered to say, look, Apple, we don't even want you to necessarily give us the, the, the new operating system. You can keep it in-house and install it in-house. Mm-hmm. We just want to have that ability to use it if necessary. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very... I'm torn on it because I understand the rationale and I understand the, I understand both sides. So there's a lot of, so let me take you some more information because there's, so I'm skeptical that they can even take this new software and put it on this phone without wiping it. But maybe, maybe like I just said, or the USB security isn't as foolproof as, mm-hmm. as it seems. Um, I'm not hanging a big part of my hat on the USB part of the security anyway. Uh, so, I generally don't like this because of the precedence it sets. Right. Um, sure, our government generally follows the rule of law, and you know the FBI is going to have to get court orders every time they send a phone to Apple to get right. this unlocked, right? Um, but when this procedure exists, it can be abused. Well, lots of countries aren't going to be as thorough with their requests or demands. Mm -hmm. And you could certainly imagine someplace like China or Russia would demand this to be a standard part of all iPhones that are sold in their country. In fact, there is something about, I read something about how uh, someone criticizing Apple isn't doing, isn't doing the same things for privacy in China that they are in America. And I just sort of thinking, well, China is a different country with different laws. So well, you kind of have like, so um, I was listening to a big long thing on, uh, you know, one of the Twit podcasts about this. And, you know, Leo, I think, had a pretty good point where, you know, if you're going to do business in a country, you need to obey the laws of those mm-hmm. that country. You know, it's kind of, you want to do business there, you're going to follow their laws, be it ones that aren't, you know, you accept that when yeah. you want to do business in that country. Um, what was it? So I talked about, what were we just talking about just before that? Oh, just generally, you know, um, I think it's a bad precedent to set. Now, the thing that makes it not... So you worry about, like, oh, now once it gets written, uh-huh. then there's a risk it escapes, right? And can be used by bad guys and things sure. like that. Now, if they keep it at Apple and keep it locked up, one other thing you need to know, Apple iPhone updates, each update that's downloaded is unique to the phone that gets it. Like, Right. It's, like it's your phone, your phone downloads an update for your right. phone. My phone downloads an update for my phone. So they could make an update that only runs on right. this phone, this San Bernardino. And phone. they could also change their operating system so that it can't be you can't do the same thing. It can't be open to the same thing that was done for for this in this so, case. So Apple used to do this same thing with older versions of iOS. The brute, like the, the the ability to brute force right. phones, and then they made changes starting in iOS seven, I think, mm-hmm. 
because they wanted to get out of that business. The FBI used to send phones to Apple yeah. to get them unlocked. And ever since they made this change, Apple's like, can't do it anymore, you know, because they wanted to get out of the business of being able to, they're not making any revenue unlocking phones. So they, you know, yeah. and, you know, and good security and all that stuff. Well, I mean, they, it, they it, it's a marketing decision for, the, yeah. for them. Let's face it, but it, it might be the right one. So, uh, we're not going to hold Apple too hard. I'm not going to hold the government too hard. I mean, they both have valid points. I think um, one of the one of the ideas is that look, this phone was this, this guy's work phone. It's not likely there's any terrorist plans on it anyway, uh, and I think that's probably true. Well, I read that. So he had iCloud backup turned on until October, and Apple gave the FBI the data from the iCloud backup. Mm-hmm. And your your thing is. Bouncing like crazy. He was talking to another suspect. Like in that backup, they saw a communication with someone, a suspect, right? So one of the big arguments they want is those communications after October 19th. Mm-hmm. So he was using his phone to talk to. But he may not have done anything. He had, yeah, he had previously used his phone to communicate with. A terrorist suspect. Well, people, not so. not a terrorist suspect with a with a coworker that he killed. <laughs> I thought that was the deal. That's what uh, I read. No, that it was because there there was nothing that indicated that he did anything outside the country with that phone. Uh, he just had a communication with with somebody who was one of the coworkers who he ended up killing. Uh, you could be right. That's the other thing. All these articles. One article says it's running iOS 7. Another one says it's running iOS 9. Mm-hmm. And then like 15 other articles say iOS 9, probably because they picked it off off the same place. And and so I just, you know, read that. And then, you, you know, you heard something else. So like yeah, so it, much bad info. I understand the security thing. I do believe we live in, in a less secure world than, than we think we do. And we should probably nut up to that, to that fact. That look... This stuff is ultimately breakable one way or the other. I do think that it would shock me if the government wasn't working on P versus NP right now and they weren't trying to figure out some way to break encryption. Because I think it's probably likely it's possible. The now. I do now. There's so many other ways to get surveillance that this phone's going to be a small part of the of, of it. But, right, right. But I, I so, think- I mean, the government's trying to set a precedence. And, you know, and Apple's doing exactly what Apple needs to do. They they just can't let this precedent get set. They the Supreme Court needs to weigh in on this. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's what's probably going to happen, and I think that's exactly what should happen in this case. Well, yeah, I I would not. I I think this is this is the right thing for the Supreme Court to 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 look at. This is a interesting question. There is no there is no obvious answer. That is obviously correct for all situations. Right. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think I'm about done. I could, I could, you know, there's a whole bunch of like non-digital analogies. Like, okay, so you have a box in your house with, um, what's the, what's the right analogy, right? Not an unpickable lock, but maybe one that's booby-trapped to self-destruct or something like that, right? Which So you need to actually have the key to open it without it destroying itself. You know, so... <laughs> What's that? 
just how would you then get across the idea that what the the booby trap manufacturer has a secret key to undo the booby trap? But they, yeah, there's no real, there's no good. Well, yeah, I mean the thing, you know, the thing is, you'd have to imagine that your um, it's not a homemade booby trap, right? right? Because then who's accountable? Right. It's an Acme well, product. Well, say say maybe there's an off the shelf lock on the front, right? And you'd have to get the lock maker mm-hmm. to to make a universal key for it but it's not just a normal you know six tumbler lock it's something that can't be um you know the, the analogy gets hard right because then you know like the, the whole well the precedent but also the technological pandora's box part of it put too, the blockchain so. on it i'm sure that'll solve yeah. everything okay so i guess you're done with this conversation <laughs> what's next um let's see I, I did a did some tweets, some few tweets. I did my most recent tweet was in response to uh, um, the denial anger bargaining thing. That, okay. that whole mm-hmm. thing. and I don't know if you saw the tweet, but I it didn't see it. it. Oh. Jerking it, denial, jerking it, anger, jerking it times two, bargaining, not jerking it, depression, jerking it times four, acceptance, jerking it. <laughs> Okay, I just thought it was funny. Um, in response to you, 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 you sent mop water to me, and I said <laughs> shelf turds. See, you're coming around the shelf turds. <laughs> I, I am. I really am. Um, yeah, someone made a Cape May Brewing Company put out a beer called Mop Water, mm-hmm. spiced ale. Uh, Here's, I, I came with a response to to Dave actually when we had a conversation a while ago. He said that he doesn't he thinks that there are people who are um, who are just not useful to society. Okay. And so I said, go ahead, tell people with disabled family members that some people just aren't useful to society. It's the same argument, right? They're just a drain of resources. It's a good angle to think about it. And, and how can you really argue that disabled people are worthless? Yeah. You're just a bad person if you try to argue that point of view. Mm-hmm. You lose no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it follows that, that no, just because people are do something negative doesn't mean that they have no good effect on other people. Whether other people aren't aren't hurt by if something bad happens to them. Okay. Uh, another thing, sort of, kind of on the same angle, not quite, but um, I just think I forget what 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 made this uh, come to my mind. But um, there's a lot of stuff about participation badges are bad. You know, okay. you'd be number. You, you know, people shouldn't get participation badges. We need to stop instilling that people get that because. It's a it's a cut and dry study. But I said you say participation badges you say participation badges are bad because not everyone can be number one. But implicitly you're acknowledging that not everyone can be number one. So in a sense, you're saying that people do lose. Uh and sometimes people lose all the time, and then you're essentially saying, Well, fuck them. This comes this comes more towards when you're thinking about people and climbing up the economic ladder and stuff like that. 
do people deserve participation badges? I would say yes, people deserve to get some sort of basic sustenance. Oh, you're Even if they're not really aware. stretching the participation badges. I'm thinking about um, playing soccer and taking tests. And <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, let, let's say it's somebody who takes a test and he fails every test. Good job, Jimmy. Well, but at some point you start to say, uh, okay, well, we need to do something special for Jimmy, not, well, fuck Jimmy. Right, but so participation badge is the equivalent of, that's okay, Jimmy, you'll do better next time. Right, right. Oh, I see. And you're saying that uh, just just uh, painting it with... Uh, Winner or loser? I don't know. You're really stretching the... Probably. <laughs> You know, you're really, I mean, I, I, so you take the test saying and like, okay, so you don't use red pen on the incorrect ma- answers. You use purple pen now. And yeah, cause that's red... not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we don't, <laughs> we don't like, I, I'm saying that we do, we should reward participation. It should not be the same reward as you get for for being in first and second and third place, but there's nothing wrong with rewarding participation as such. Okay. At least you tried. Right? Yeah. Um, there, there was a thing about beer, about beer, which we should probably bring up in the main show. The, uh, because there was a consolidation. Actually, we probably, we should actually talk about the main show, victory in the Southern tier. Sure. But I did bring up the, the, the question, uh, if a bunch of brewers consolidate like this and ultimately produce over 5 million barrels and they no longer craft You know the answer to this. <laughs> you don't even have to ask that question. You know the answer. Well, I, it's still the question still deserves to be the asked. The number goes up. <laughs> yes. Even when I know the answer, the question still, uh, still needs to be asked because it needs to be pointed out, I think. Some people were bitching that the new company is called has Artisan in the name. Mm. And like, if only indie beer had come around a couple months earlier, maybe they could have jumped on that. <laughs> the names are gonna, you know, happy. <laughs> so, but I, I did point out a quote from Eric Hoffer: uh, "What starts out as a mass movement ends up as a racket, a cult, or a corporation." And that's very much what craft beer has done, and it's very much what every sort of big movement becomes: mm-hmm. a racket, a cult, or a corporation. Yep. Okay. So I think we should be happy that it became a corporation as opposed to a racket or a cult. Cult would have been fun. I'd... We would have been at the top of the pyramid, man. We got in early enough. <laughs> True. Yes. It would have been very nice for our pyra- for the little pyramid scheme. Uh, that's, that's all the tweets I had, really. All right. Well, let's drink some beer. If I can find the stop button here. <laughs> 